Oh, that's a classic right there. And I'm sure it brings back lots of memories for Vaughn Palmer, who joins us now this morning. Right, Vaughn? Oh, yes, Amy. I saw the tramps at the body shop. Remember the body shop? No. Yeah, yeah. Other than, well, if you mean the one downstairs, downtown, yes. The, the real, actual Disco Inferno tramps. And I think the their version of it in a nightclub went on for, I don't know, two or three hours or something like that. You remember <laughs> disco uh, used to just go on and on and on. Anyway, there you go. I thought, if you're talking body shop, the only one I know is downstairs in the mall. But yeah. uh, you're talking about a different kind well, of Well, maybe, maybe my old memory is fading me and I've mixed it up with something else, but I'm pretty sure there was a club over on, uh, hmm, I'm not even sure what street it was on, but I think it was Howard Hornby that was uh, called the Body Shop. Well, you know what, if it is, somebody out there probably remembers, and they can email me and tell me all about it. I still remember the cave, Simmy, so there you go. Oh boy, okay, yes, I love it. Uh, Let's talk about what's going on out there, so some news over the past couple of days that the provincial government has said, you know what, I think we've had enough of mink farming in BC. Is this a huge surprise? Well, what's huge about it is we've had, throughout the pandemic, we've had a lot of temporary closures. We've had restrictions that have shut down businesses or made it very hard for them to operate profitably. Um, We've had businesses driven to the wall. But this is the first permanent closure order we've had, to my knowledge. So on Friday, the agriculture minister came out and said to the mink farmers of the province, um, find another line of work, basically. Um, No new farms, that was one order. Uh, That's been around for a while. Um, Phase out uh, production and be prepared, completely shut down come 2025. Nine farms, 200 workers, and they're shut. That's it. No more. Okay, but what's going to happen to those farms? Like the people running them, do they get compensated? How does this work? Well, you know, there are a lot of questions about that on Friday. I mean, first of all, the operators, uh, some of them came forward. Uh, One of them talked, I know, to Global TV on Friday and said, we got an hour's notice of this, right? And one of the fellows operating it said, this has been in family for for three generations. So these are mostly family businesses, and there's a lot of workers, and it's over. I mean, I have to think the the, the investment isn't even worth anything anymore. Um, the minister was asked about it, um, and Alana Potham, and she said, well, you know, there is compensation and retraining, and we're kind of hoping to get them to do something else in the agriculture field. But it didn't sound to me awfully sympathetic, and it raised the question whether or not The government is doing this under the cover of the pandemic to shut down an industry that it doesn't much like because the government is sympathetic to the anti-fur farming industry. But there have also been problems during the pandemic, right? There have been a lot of outbreaks on mink farms. Yeah, as I said, there's a suspicion out there that this is being done under cover of the pandemic. But Dr. Bonnie Henry was there on the platform with the agriculture minister, Lana Popham, on Friday, and she said no, that... Uh, public health and science have persuaded her, and she gave the government this advice, that it simply can't be managed. Uh, she said, we think, the uh, she thinks, and her team think, that COVID-19 is going to be with us uh, until 2025, which is longer than I'd heard before, but anyway, for a few years yet. And there has already, she said, there is transmission back and forth between mink and the people who work there. 
And the great concern is that not only will this continue going forward, but we'll get mutations because of it. Because she said people don't realize that mink get COVID-19 and they give it back to the people that work there. So she said her assessment, scientific, based on, you know, all the research and consultation with her team is it can't be managed the farms have got to go and that's where the advice came from now she gives the advice to the government and the government turns around and says we'll take it and it's so it's a government decision on advice from dr bonnie henry but both the agriculture minister lana popham and dr bonnie henry insisted friday there's no other practical option here so the mink farms have to go so how soon will all this happen well, uh, 2025 is the last day of operations. Uh, but between now and then, the farms have to phase out operations. Um, you know, no more breeding of mink. There's about, about 320,000 of them. So it's a, it's a phase out, and they've given them a few years to do it. And the minister said her door is open to the farmers to come and talk to her about uh, adjusting and I guess compensation. I mean, the government shuts down an industry for a public health reason. Um, I, I picked up on Friday, Simi, a little bit of concern that this thing might lead to legal action too. That there's no question that public health orders uh, that restrict operations, that require temporary shutdowns and all that, they've been upheld in the courts. But we haven't had a permanent closure order yet, and so that might provide an opening for a different kind of litigation where lawyers for the mink farmers may go to court and say, look, uh, every other industry gets serious precautions, steps taken, we've done that, we followed advice, why should we be shut down altogether? And that might, as I said, Simi, be an opening for a claim for compensation for the permanent loss of business mm. and livelihood. All right. Interesting. Uh, let's talk as well about vaccination protocols. They seem to be expanding, right? Yep. I know we're still talking about healthcare workers, the remaining holdouts here. Yep. But what is the health minister saying about this? Well, he was on uh, Focus BC with our colleague Richard Zussman on Friday and, you know, asked again, what do you think about Ontario and Quebec blinking on this? And he said, well, you know, he doesn't want to criticize another province, but he said, we're sticking with it. It's working here. We've had, Adrian Dix said, a increased vaccination rate among healthcare workers, medical uh, personnel, and all of that since the vaccination requirement went in. It's dropped from about 5,000 down to 3,000. And he said, of the 3,000 workers who are off work without pay, they're not all full-time. Some of them are casual. So he's sticking to it. Uh, he got asked about something that Dr. Henry had indicated is coming, uh, which is that the vaccination protocols will be extended to doctor's offices, dentist's offices, chiropractors, physios. And he said that is still in the works. The government, public health, are working with the College of Physician and Surgeons, Physicians and Surgeons and the regulatory agencies, but it's coming for them and it's coming soon. So we may get those uh, that public health order um, this week, I got the sense from the way the minister was talking on Friday. 
It's interesting that the that BC is sticking to this for healthcare yeah. workers and other provinces haven't. But I, I, I like their approach from what they were saying last week about how they're taking the time to individually talk to every person. Yeah, it. I mean, it must take a level of patience that I'm not capable of. Simi was what it occurred to me. Uh, you know, Dr. Henry said she's got a lot of sympathy for, for the, the public health officials and doctors and everyone who are doing this because the disease is entirely preventable now and the system is still in some parts of the province being overwhelmed. But yeah, they're going at it one at a time. And she said, you know, uh, some people are open to persuasion. They just have questions. They get answers. Uh, and you go on. She said some of it is a matter of convenience, which, you know, uh, people just haven't got around to it. So that's why we're still getting these regular announcements about clinics and available and come on down and get your shot. And she said, I, she said there's disinformation. So she distinguished that from misinformation. People that have just looked online and, quote, done their own research and got the wrong information. But she said, there is malicious spreading of misinformation out there too, disinformation. And she said that's the hardest for healthcare workers and for the public exactly. health teams to, to take. That's really bad, and it's out there, and we see it. And, of course, they see a lot more of it than we do. They do. All right, thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. There's a lot to talk about. We're asking you the question today about traveling to the U.S. Are you ready to do it in spite of the tests and everything you need to do to come back?